everyone, and welcome to Chapter Tactics. This is the Warhammer 40k podcast that focuses on playing Warhammer 40k competitively at all levels of the game. I am your host, Mr. Petey Pob, and with me I have my two wonderful co-hosts. I introduced them the other way around in the super secret short episode that got cancelled because of internet issues, so I'm going to do it reverse this time. First we have, swooping in from the heavens, Peter the Falcon. Kaka. And then he said it with, with less gusto the first time, but mm. if you can't believe it or not. And the second guest or co-host we have on, Sean Abuse Puppy Morgan. It's this guy. I, oh, I was see? making up for Peter's. That was energy. great. Yeah. That was a great introduction. Bravo. Peter, take notes. I'll do my best. <laughs> All right, so today's going to be a very good episode. We've got a lot of nice little meta talk here. We're going to talk about off-faction lists and off-faction strategies and ideas and how you can use those ideas to beat the meta, i.e. Space Marines and Harlequins, uh, at your local tournaments, and sometimes sisters, and mostly just Space Marines and Harlequins. I think that's I think those are the two top dogs right now, one and two. Uh, so... We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about a list that I didn't pick, that, or not list, excuse me, a tournament matchup that I didn't pick, but Peter did pick. So we're going to talk about the win conditions in both of the, for both of those lists. We're going to talk about the matchup, and then we'll guess who won So in that new segment. But before we get to that, we do have some announcements. Now, normally, I don't mind it when someone goes into that comment section on YouTube, puts the link saying, they actually started the main topic here. However, these announcements are pretty important as they do pertain to the future of the podcast for the rest of the year 2020, uh, as well as some housekeeping announcements and how you can win a chance at a plane ticket or a $500 paint credit for through the paint studio or some other cool, awesome prize. Um, so don't skip these announcements, please. I beg you. Oh, and there's also some super secret, top secret announcements as well. It, they're super secret, top secret. That's how important they are. They're so, so su- super secret, top secret. One of the hosts doesn't even know about it. Maybe. Probably. Yes. I don't that's know how about super anything. secret, top secret it is. So first announcement is, this is probably going to be the last episode of Chapter Tactics in 2020 with me. There might be a pirate episode that, that is hinted, although... I don't know for sure if that's going to happen or not. However, I'm in the middle of moving right now. We're going to be moving. We're still sticking in Las Vegas, so don't worry. Nothing big is going to change on my end. We just had some uh, unfortunate landlord issues um, where, you know, just with everything going on right now, it's really hard. Everyone's really struggling. So we're cool. We're moving, though. So um, I'm not going to be available to record next week for the 28th. Um, and I'm probably not going to be able to record for the 4th of January as well, too. So there will be two weeks of no chapter tactics. However, there will be a Christmas episode that you can listen to, and that'll be this week. Uh, listen to that for a chance to win some cool stuff. Um, if you're a patron, you get a chance to win stuff. And then, of course, we're also doing the Triple X Heffelmas that we do every year, where I give away some cool painted models to anyone listening. You don't have to be a patron. You just have to comment and let us know that you want something for Triple X Heffelmas. So, there is that. Uh, also, buy stuff from FrontlineGaming.org. And there's one more <laughs> announcement that I, also, that I had. I had it written silence. down, but I had it, I had it written down, but um, it unfortunately is gone from my computer now because I closed that browser um, like a dum dum. 
when we had on the super secret Aussie invasion earlier in the episode, in yep. the last episode. So anyways, uh, while I do that, Peter, is there any announcements that you want to make? Yes. So this is a pretty big deal. It's a pretty exclusive announcement just for Chapter Tactics. You guys can expect to hear more about this in the coming weeks. Um, but um, the people from 40K Stat Center, The Ocho, Paul Murphy, Adam Camilleri, Val Heffelfinger, and myself, uh, we've put together a Las Vegas Open replacement for you, for you fine folks. Um, when the announcement went out that the LVO was going to be officially canceled, all of us that had kind of put together that secondary stream for the LVO last year got together and started brainstorming ideas about how we could give something to the community in, in, you know, in this time. And um, we've created the Las Vegas Nopen 2021. You can go over to the website, Las Vegas Nopen, that's Las Vegas Open, but with that extra N, .net, um, to get an idea of what we're planning. Um, but it's going to be a pretty big deal. We're looking at getting, we've already spoken to, um, about 12 different streamers um, and 40K competitive players uh, from around the world. And they're going to be playing in a 16-list single elimination tournament that's going to be streamed live from January 29th through to January 31st. Um, and the thing is here is that it's, the players aren't going to necessarily carry from round to round, but their lists will. So what you're going to see is stuff like round one, you may see Brad Chester play TJ Lanigan with lists they would have taken to the LVO. The winner, they're going to send their list to maybe uh, Brian Pullen over at Tabletop Titans, and they're going to be the ones playing round two. Um, we think it's going to be a lot of fun. It's pretty exciting. We're working out some of the logistics now. Um, we've already got signed on a lot of big partners uh, for this whole deal, so we're feeling really good. Um, and there's several secret partners um, that we're kind of finalizing things on um, to just make this even bigger. There's going to be a charity attached. Um, it's, it's, there's a lot of work that's gone into this in about six days' time, um, and there's a lot more to go. So if you want to check out the website, lasvegasnopen.net, um, we're going to be running updates there throughout the holiday season into the new year. Um, you'll expect to see lists on Goonhammer. Um, so they've partnered with us as well, and they're going to do exclusive articles where they're going to um, kind of uh, debut all of the lists and players um, as, we, as we move closer and closer to the date so people can see what's, what they can expect in round one and get a full breakdown of what these guys would have brought to the LVO had they been able to attend. Uh, yeah, I think I think it's a great idea. Obviously, Peter and Aval and the rest of the Ocho team, they know how to put on a good show. Uh, and I have absolute faith that it's going to be amazing. Um, and hopefully hopefully it all works out. Uh, I am definitely pushing Reese and Frankie to play on stream. Um, Reese was like, I'm not going to play. Actually, uh, it was a little more ra- gravelly than that. However, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> they, they were, they were um, resistant to the idea. However... The rhino will beat them down into submission. Um, I will say, when we first started pitching this to each other, the dream finale was going to be Reese versus Frankie playing in an empty Bally's Hall um, for everyone to witness. But we, and it would be incredible. um, But when I pitched it to Reese, his response was, We would be very bad. So I don't know. (laughs) So, quick side note you're going to hear about this on signals from the frontline by the way if you listen by the way listen to the frontline gaming network we have a new podcast coming it's going to be awesome we've got a lot of great stuff we're killing it however <laughs> you're going to hear about this on signals from the frontline if you listen to the network so Reese 
played five games in six days, five league games in six days, won them all with his Dark Angels Terminator list, which is what we're going to talk about a little bit today. And he says he can't, he's not ready to play ninth edition and he doesn't, can't finish his army in time. Mm. The dude who played five games in six days can't paint 30 models, 30 Terminator models. It's that fear of failure. It's that fear of failure. He doesn't want to look bad. Doesn't want to look bad. He doesn't care about sounding bad. He'll chew Marlboros all day um, (laughs) and gravel, but man, can't. (laughs) He he is, to be fair, he is a little sensitive. (laughs) You know, so on signals, putting out a chapter tactics invasion, go to signals. I'm going to be there. I'm there every week because I have to now. So I'm going to be in that chat and we're, let's just bombard race with positivity. Tell mm. him how good looking he is, how much we miss his mustache and his facial hair, how great he is at 40 K blow mm, his ego one. up don't so do that, that we one. can get, so that we can get him to play on stream. Do you remember so, when he won the broadside it. bash? Oh, and he I didn't do. stop talking about it for six months, long <laughs> after it was relevant, since it was relevant for maybe a week and a half. Let's 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 not call him that good. Let's let's pull it back. Pull it back. Oh man, it, he would not let that go at all. That was that was wonderful. Uh, it was beautiful. It was it was so great. Uh, <laughs> brings back I so expected. many memories. <laughs> uh, but also, uh, speaking of those memories, um, one thing that I would like to do. Um, is an opportunity to stream is um is maybe in an exhibition game during the Las Vegas Open or or um as a competitor I don't know uh, I know it's all up in the air but one thing I would love to see is one of us to play Jeff's Custodes army on stream I would too that's that's an army that we haven't seen in over a year on stream and and when I was thinking about it I was like that's that's crazy that's not we never would have thought about that two years ago right so. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Jeff's army on stream at least once. Um, I'm probably going to be the one running the stream, so I might not be able to play it. And that puts the ball in Reese and Frankie's court. So there's a lot riding on this, ladies and gentlemen. So let Reese know how you feel. Tell him you love him. Tell him you support him. Tell him you want to see him on stream. And we can hopefully make that happen. Boom. That's it. Boom. All right. That, that's it. Done. Dude, the episode's over. The announcements are all good. Good job, everyone. Everybody go home. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> uh, on to the main topic. So one thing I've noticed in ninth edition is like with every edition, you start to see different, usually the same people, but you start to see different styles of lists and different factions kind of go against the mold and do well. Right. So we have, we have our like top three or top four factions. You could probably argue about their placements, uh, but I think we can pretty all safely establish who the best like three or four factions are. They're the most common factions. It's definitely Space Marines and Harlequins. They're probably one and two, and I'm saying most flavors of Space Marines because I've seen pretty much every flavor of Space Marine do well, except Imperial Fists and Iron Hands. Um, I guess Salamanders have kind of died off too, but Salamanders aren't terrible. They're not, yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't say any of them are terrible. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. It's just the benefit of being able to run really any Space Marine faction you want, no, no matter the color, right? So. Yeah. And, and on top of that, the, the Space Marine lists are, are all very similar. 
you know, they they all for the have, most part. I think the yeah. the the like the the old outlier uh, factions are still mostly running their own thing, but all the stuff from the Space Marine Codex has started to kind of coalesce into this is the most efficient stuff. Yeah, yeah. These are these are your your eradicators and your blade guard veterans, and you you do kind of start to see the same units over and over. Um, and then obviously Harlequins are absolutely killing it right now. Yep. So other than that, I've been poking my nose around, looking at top lists wherever I can, and know that there's not a lot of events. There is occasionally a list that goes like four and one, you know, five and zero. Oh. Um, that that actually is kind of surprising. Um, so we're going to talk about those lists. And I've got one, and I had a few more, but Sean and Peter told me I can't talk about them because they're Space Marine lists. It's yeah, like, that's no kind of space fair. Marines. No that's more fair. space marines. That's fair. But as an honorable mention, Reese's Dark Angel Terminator list with Reese running it, going 5-0, and and also beating other people, not just going 5-0 and against his league opponents, but also beating other people, is really, it's just weird to me. He's, he's He has like 29 Terminator models. To be fair, they can't be wounded on a 4-up, and they all have good invuln saves, but it's just strange. Like, it's just I like the implication that... Reese play, won five league games and also games against other people, implying that he played league games against himself. <laughs> no, he's he's uh like obviously uh you know there's other people in on staff on in frontline gaming and we've hired more employees who play Warmer Forty K and so he's gotten games in against non league opponents um mm-hmm. and he is he has just been killing it. He's like like seven or eight no right now. Um, with just Dark Angels Terminators, and these are you know these are people who have won before. They're not they're not awful. They're not baby seals or anything. Mm-hmm. They're definitely mm-hmm. competitive minded players playing their best against. Pablo, listen, know, we know that he's your boss, and you have to say these things. It's, it's perfectly it's not acceptable. Just, it's just it's weird because it it doesn't look like a great list. It's just literally two big units of Deathwing Terminators, some Deathwing Knights, Deathwing Knights, and then characters. Yeah, and that's it. I mean, that's it sounds real slow, and I'm sure there it. it definitely would have some pretty hard Someone counters but him. at the same time you know very hard to kill terminators yes. that have the they deathwing are, they yeah, are that, very very hard to kill that can carry you uh all sorts of places so i believe it speaking of carrying you all sorts of places that is the first place i want to go uh when looking at some of these off medalists is if you have a really big durable unit that has access to an invuln save now a lot of people are specking for that right so a lot of people uh if you if you listen to like the art of war and if you listen to a lot of the other players online the content producers uh the tactics guys they are telling people to bring enough firepower to kill like i think the golden standard is like a full unit of scarabs necron scarabs with Mm -hmm. with a five up invuln i believe that's the golden standard although it might just be 20 warriors 20 warriors, 9 scarabs, um, 5 blade guard with transhuman activated. Like, those are the things you need to be able to to wipe out in one go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, so if you have anything that, that's similar in that vein, orcs have stuff like that. They have access to big, big, mean units and invuln saves. Um, so orcs can do that pretty well. As a matter of fact, uh, one orc list that I saw uh, doing really well was... Um, Actually, I don't even know if it's an, an off-metal list because orcs are actually doing pretty well right now. But the the list with the the three or four buggy 
The dragster list? Yes, the jump shock jump dragster list Mm -hmm. uh, with the boss um, and then like a battle wagon in it and things like that. I believe we talked about it last episode. Uh, Lists like that, orc lists like that are just uh, very interesting to me. Um, Those those shock jump dragsters were bad for so long. They were bad pretty much dead on arrival when they came out. Um, and now they're they're really good. They're very under-costed, um, and they kind of fit that same kind of style of list. Yeah, they hit well in close combat, and the, the ability to kind of teleport around the table is uh, not to be underrated. You can get to all sorts of really amazing places that people didn't expect with them. So, Yeah, yeah they're, they're pretty strong. All right. And then, uh, Peter, do you, have any, do you have any lists that you want to kind of highlight? Um, are we referring to kind of the, what we were talking about pre-show? or? Uh, yeah, if you want. Yeah, let's kind of get into that. So the the pairing that we because one thing I'll say about you know a lack of events in the last month is even if you look at RTTs, like there's not a, there's not a lot of I would say super innovation going on since the Space Marine Codex drop. Um, we've seen some results coming out of Admech that we hadn't seen in a while. They were doing well, but they hadn't gotten any wins, and now they've got a couple under their belts. But I think a very interesting matchup to talk about is um, if you look at the Clutch City GT. Over a month ago since this happened, which is, uh, you know, a depressing uh, sign of the times. But um, Clifton Russell uh, goes into round five with his Gene Steeler Colts. He's now 3-1. and one. He'd been 3-0. and oh. He lost his round four matchup. Um, and uh, Gene Steeler Colts, a faction that has been essentially been listed as DOA since ninth dropped. Um, the changes, uh, the, this changes at the end of eighth plus what ninth brought to the table effectively for most people killed anything Gene Steeler Colts were capable of. Um, and he's playing into Travis Starnes. Um, also 3-1. and one. They both have scored a ton of uh, victory points going into this game, though. So the winner of this is probably getting second or third place at the event. Um, and Travis is running a very meta, uh, for right now, uh, Slanesh Chaos Demons list. Um, you know, You were talking a lot about how Harlequins and Space Marines were kind of your top two. And I would generally agree, but uh, Chaos Demons, uh, specifically Slaneshi so Chaos Demons, um, are right up there. Like, if they are not on, uh, on par, they are, like, just a smidge below um, in terms of, like, what their output that they've been having, their success, and just, like, just how good they are right now with the current mission set. Yeah, the just Slaanesh is very fast. It's good at pulling objectives from under people and all of its units have gotten so many price drops over time here that they just they can really give a lot of people trouble with the sheer weight of attacks they put out yep and um so many people get caught off guard when you know your opponent's fiends are in your deployment zone turn one and you didn't do anything special you just Mm -hmm. moved right because they just they're just that fast yeah so we'll go over the list real quick. Well, uh, Travis was running a mono faction, Chaos Demon, Slanesh list. He's got two Keepers of Secrets, uh, Celesque, mm. 30, 60, 90, 115 Daemonettes, um, nine Fiends, three sets of three, and five Furies. So that's his full list. Um, extraordinarily so no fast. Um, Furies are excellent at... Uh, objective grabbing, small footprint. They can go places a, a lot of units can't. They can, I believe they can banners and everything else. So like, they're just like very efficient for getting your secondary objectives. Um, yeah. Meanwhile, 
this 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 army moves. It has all the go fast juice in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's absolutely threatening you with those turn one charges, especially if you have moved on to objectives. Now, so uh, I heard that correctly. Zero greater demons, right? No, uh, the two, two keepers, keepers of secrets. Oh, you yeah. said that right at the beginning. Okay, Sorry. cool. I heard, I heard Cicelesque and 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 then blank. Oh, don't until say Cicelesque, Paul. Uh, Paul um, why well, have my brain shutting right Winters? off? Winters. Yeah, Paul Winters will murder you uh, every time I say Cicelesque. He gets really upset. He <laughs> he says he's going to cancel all his subscriptions to every podcast. <laughs> Apparently, oh, no, it Paul, is Cicelesque. Celeste? It's No, there's no A. It's so stupid. I would say it's Celeste, but apparently someone at Games Workshop doesn't know how to pronounce what they wrote, and it's Celeste. Yeah, so, but I mean... they also say Rebute Guillemin. Yeah, I know. I know. They add there's... E's that don't do anything, and then, then, <laughs> then sometimes they do. There, there are people who say Piper. No one ever complains about the name Sloppity Bile Piper. They just laugh. No one ever mispronounces Sloppity Bile Piper that. is a funny name. It's a great name. Just name <laughs> anyway, that. Anyway, on track. On track we are. So yeah, so you've got the two greater demons. Now we've seen a lot of variations on this list, like win events, um, sometimes taking three keepers um, or taking the named keeper, whose name I'm also blanking on right now. The Blangle, Murgle, the Prangle, Fangle. Yeah, you got it. Um, running, uh, you know, 20 or 30 less demonettes for more fiends or... Um, uh, or seekers, um, but generally, like this is the this is the shtick. It's a whole lot of demonettes with some big uh, boy girls behind them. Yeah, that <laughs> that's that is an insane amount of five up invuln obsec bodies to chew through, and it's really with the the new morale rules. It's really not as punishing bringing you know MSC or, or large you know large amount of ten or twenty girl units in this case. Um, you know, it's not all or nothing anymore. You don't just lose whole units. Mm-hmm. Um, and even like three or four demonettes just chilling, running around the board. That's very annoying to get rid of. Um, unless you really go full MSU, which I think people are kind of shying away from. People aren't MSUing as much as I thought they would. And they also benefit from the meta shifting heavily towards elite infantry, mm-hmm. um, where the you know all of those two damage weapons are just totally wasted against the daemonets. Um, they they are perfectly fine sucking up mortal wounds or or taking shots from plasma guns and whatnot uh, because it just it doesn't do anything significant to them. Yep, and even your most like. Uh the most common meta things that can deal with hordes right now, um, like plasma scepters. Uh, five plasma scepters, they're still maybe killing 15 demonettes um, mm-hmm. at most. So you, so your opponent's still going to be running with 13 or 14 of them um, right afterwards. So you're not even taking out the whole squad with five. So yeah. it's, it's a lot. Um, there's a lot there. It, it, it provides you with such a good cushion, um, and you really only need one of those keepers to get into the mix in the back end for things to really go south for a lot of these armies. Um, and you cannot discount, despite how sometimes bad it, it, it feels to have as a special ability, everything having super always strike first. Because um, it, it causes all sorts of pain for people. Um, there are all sorts of tricks you can pull in close combat with that that just catch people off guard. It's, it's a very strong army. 
And those fiends, they're so fast and you can't fall back from them. So they, they just, they pin you in and then you're not scoring. When you look at your average uh, demon or Slanesh demon list, they're, they're scoring um, in a win. They're scoring like 83 points per game, which is more than any other faction wow. um, th- uh, yeah. period. And then even on their losses, I think they're averaging last I looked like 68. So like they just score a, a ton of points. So, so the, why is that? Do they, do they just swarm the board as fast as possible and then just kind of keep up the pressure? Yeah. In most wise? games, they're going to be maxing out their primaries because they're going to take every objective immediately. Um, so unless they come into like a super hard counter, um, like maybe a death watch list or a gray knight player that's, that's playing really savvy with their storm bolter, uh, shenanigans, like you're, they're just going to dominate you. They're going to take the board right away. Um, and they're going to score all their primary. They're probably going to max at least two of their secondaries because engage in all fronts is generally a joke for this list. Mm-hmm. Um, as long as, as long as you're going into something that, the that can't chew through 115 five plus invuln bodies right away. Um, so yeah, like generally if you're going into a Slanesh demons list and they, they, they have a competent pilot, you're looking at, I need to score at least 70 points to have a chance in this game. So yeah. And yeah, absolutely. they, they're also much more able to take advantage of terrain than most armies are. Mm-hmm. Uh, just because of their their combination of speed and the you know, infantry beast status on basically everything that matters, and like those furies, we kind of gloss over. But forty five points for a jump pack infantry unit with an invuln is not something you can really like ignore because they're just gonna be they're just gonna get whatever secondary they want completed. Yeah. Yeah, I mean people people take company veterans, space marine company veterans at 40 points, crypto thralls for necrons at 40 points. Mm-hmm. Uh action monkeys, furies are just really good action monkeys. I didn't even know they're 45 points. That is oh, yeah. absurdly 40, 45 that's, points, 12 inch movement. Yeah, and uh, it's a unit of 5, right? Huge. So you're you're paying with yep. for 5 wounds. Yeah. And it's yeah, yet another good. unit that can move block in the late game for you. Yes. Hop 12 inches, block off a charge so that your your um you know remaining keeper of secrets can do what it needs to do in the last round. Like there's a lot there. So Yeah, absolutely. They, they also have access to very strong options for their exalted rewards, which of course this list is taking, uh, and relics, because Slanesh gets kind of some of the best of those. So yeah, so this is super powerful list. Um, it doesn't have a lot of bad matchups, and uh, yeah, really love it. Um, I've I've really enjoyed that Slanesh went from like the worst demons to <laughs> by far the best from edition to edition. But mm-hmm. here we are. Yeah, and, and the, what's really crazy is is you talk about this Slanesh list, and we've definitely seen these Keeper of Secrets lists come out and do well, but they're not even the best Chaos Demon list. Um, in my opinion, they're they're definitely hmm. one of the best. Um, but the the like TJ Lanigan with the super hard to kill pink horror blob and the nerglings and you know the big boys and the random characters thrown in there, I think those lists are probably better. Um, I w- yeah, it's hard to say. They they perform similarly well in terms of numbers. Like Slanesh has better numbers. I would say like you're not wrong in that that um, more mixed style probably has less bad matchups right I, there's yeah. a point with the slanesh list where it's because it's like we're doing one thing we just do it better than everybody else where if you have a way to counteract that um you'll just beat them 
whereas with like the mixed list where you have Big Bird, um, you know, basically maxing out uh, whatever you need it to because it can just sit in the middle and never die, and the you know Beast of Nurgle, or maybe you're mixing in Magnus for some extra love. Um, like those lists, yeah, I would say you're probably right in that they have more good matchups, but they also, um, a lot of those matchups are a lot closer. Like it's not the stompings that you see with these Slaneshi games, so. Yeah, the the Big Bird list definitely has uh, more even matchups, I would kind of say, although I feel like that list does have pretty positive matchups against most of the like top contender kind of armies. Yeah. Uh, it, it fares very well against Harlequins, against Necrons, and stuff like that, so... Yeah, it doesn't like to see Admech, um, but... No, Admech is rough but there aren't that many ad mech lists mm -hmm. out there for being honest yeah absolutely um so i have a i have a question for both of you and then i kind of want to transition into the next list mm -hmm. and then we're going to revisit both of these lists later um so peter i know you mentioned the the gene slayer cult list yep um but we're going to revisit both of these lists because they do play each other so we're going to talk about win conditions and stuff uh towards the end of the episode for that seg final segment but uh, Forge World. So Forge World, the cool thing I've noticed is that Forge World is as rare as it probably should have been to begin with. Um, so, do you think that that is having an effect on meta? Because if you on the meta, because if you think about Forge World, they brought basically like like really cool, efficient, kind of sometimes overpowered broken vehicles, uh, Titans and Lords of War, and really broken characters with the occasional elite unit mixed in, like a monster or something. But what they didn't bring was like really good troop choices, um, a really, you know, staple infantry blobby things, things like that. Um, really good infantry squads. Uh, that was just never Forge World's jam. So do you think because of that, certain armies can't build specific kinds of lists and specific styles of lists and that's affecting their ability to compete things like think like tau and ivara's not being able to like ivara's and um whatever the other flechette the the you know, arvarna whatever ravarna mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, yeah the other big dumb suit <laughs> um yeah think about like them think about like astro militarum um and having their vehicles kind of limited um mm. do you do you think that forge worlds kind of fall from competitiveness fall from grace um, has effect on has an effect on people's abilities to play off medalists? I don't think so, at least in terms of the stuff you mentioned there. Um, like, the problems Guard and Tau are having really have very little to do with the changes to Forge World. Obviously, mm -hmm. the changes to the, the Yavara did hurt Tau some, but Tau were going to struggle whether the Yavara stayed the way it was or not. Um, the Yavara is a gimmick list more than anything. So, has it taken away some options from some of the like weird off-kilter factions? Yes, but not in a way that is really affecting the meta in a significant fashion, I believe. Yeah, I would say if you looked at... Um... The impact Forge World has had in the past, um, it's generally been for factions that were already good and just giving them a slightly better option in that slot, right? Like, 
um, Space Marines with Leviathan Dreadnoughts or Chaplain Dreadnoughts or Contempt Relic Contemptor Dreadnoughts. Um, Chaos the same with like Daredeos and such. It was always like they could probably take a suitable replacement that was slightly less efficient in this slot. Um, it's just this is, you know, that much better. Um, so it's never, I don't think Forge World's ever been about off-meta lists uh, per se. The the nerfing of Forge World, I shouldn't call it nerfing, the kind of like uh, plain, the plain arising, quote-unquote, of Forge World has really just... Um, Vanillification, if you will. Vanillification. That's a good, that's a good non-word. I like that. Um, it's, um, it's really done a good, I think it's just, all it's done is um, kind of made a sum of the 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 medalists even more uniform we've talked about it on previous shows with like marines right because marines definitely have the most options at a forge world now that there's very little reason to run most of the forge world stuff it's it's back to well i guess vanguard vets are really good and i guess redemptor dreadnoughts are very good so we'll put those in these lists now i think the big thing that forge world has done for off meta and we haven't seen it yet because um of time and coronavirus is how good tyranids can be with it um, that's my expectation when we can see a lot of games again, especially outside of Australia, since Forge World's like a million T dollar redos out there. <laughs> but um, like Tyranids did really well with Forge World. I think it made yeah. them competitive. Um, yeah, they, like the Hero Duel and the uh, Dimacaron in particular. Super yeah, gross. They had arguably, you know, a pro- maybe even arguably like the best Forge World unit across multiple editions in the Malanthrope. Yep. Uh, that's still kicking. Yeah. That, that, and it got better. Saves. Yep. Yep. It absolutely did. It didn't didn't suffer from a points increase like everything else, and it got better. I am going to disagree with Peter a little bit here. I do think that the the Herodule was good, but it's still a unit that dies when a Keeper of Secrets or Five Blade Guard charge into it because it has no invuln. And it's still a unit that mostly wants to stand back and shoot. And I don't think that is really going to save Tyranids in the meta. Like, having an efficient big monster that does its job well is cool, but it's not something that actually stands up against the sort of lists people are fielding right now. Uh, because you can't afford to just, like, hang back and, and shoot from the back line with it, because you'll just lose on objectives. And you can't afford to move it into center field and fight other people's heavy hitters, because it does not stand on par with them. I see your um, point, but that doesn't talk to the Dimacaron. I mean, the Hero Jewel is just sure. really good for points. Triple Diamond yeah. on lists is basically a keeper of secret lists, but Tyranids, and I think that has a lot of legs. Yeah, the, the Dimicaron definitely may be like quite good. I don't have as strong of a feeling on it yet because I haven't really seen it in action. I don't have a lot of experience with the way it works now because it's so different. It's um, a it's a keeper but, of secrets yeah. that can move through terrain, so that like, sure right that that gives it a big boost. It is I, I, slower than the Keeper by a fair bit, but it's still fast enough to be relevant. I mean, you can you get can turn one charges and off stuff, of them right? because like make of them Onslaught make and them stuff, faster. right? So, yeah, yeah, Onslaught. Yeah. Anyway. So, yeah, so I actually, I agree with both of you. Um, I think I, I'm I'm obviously not a good enough Tyranid player to figure it out, but I feel like Tyranids have a lot of the tools they need to do well. Um, I just... It, someone either hasn't put it all together or um to be honest space marines probably do it better i think it's That's... just there's no, been no time there's been no like big events to really see yeah. right so yeah but i definitely do i definitely do think tyranids have 
some of the tools to do well. Um, and then speaking of uh, Forge World other uh, lists, so we have there's two Forge World lists that we well one Forge World list that we absolutely have not seen yet that has the absolute potential to take over the meta um, that'll definitely be off meta for a little while. Um, that's the Chaos Space Marine flavors with the drills, specifically Death Guard. Um, mm. th- those are something we haven't seen yet at all. Uh, but when that Death Guard Codex drops, that could very well be like a real thing, right? The Termex Assault drill with the Death Guard, the Plague yeah. Marines. A lot of that lived off of the Poop Bomb stratagems, which, given the way they are changing stratagems with other codices, I don't expect that to stay as powerful as it was before. Or they might remove it completely. That's fair. Yeah, or even if they don't remove it completely, they just remove the synergies that allow you to make it as ridiculous as it was. Yeah. Um, because that's what we're seeing a lot of, like, a lot of those old, like, on a six-up kind of stuff has become on a unmodified six. Um, and that's not nearly as abusive. So I'm expecting that the the poop bomb is no longer going to be like deleting entire units just because you pointed, you know, your your five or ten plague marines at them. Yeah, and, and that there's a possibility of that happening. I definitely I definitely don't know for sure, but chaos space marines in general feel they they feel like there's potential there. They feel at least the potential will be like a tier two off meta. I'm gonna really mess with specific lists kind of army. Like like for example, em- uh, noise marines coming in a um uh dreadclaw. I think is what they're called. The chaos space marine drop pod. Yeah. Noise marines dropping down in a dreadclaw and blowing well. up like forty bodies of whatever the hell you want is is something that will happen. I mean, once they rule that you can actually get out of a dreadclaw, you can't. Right? They put out the FAQ oh. and they didn't include that. You could not oh, get that's... out of them on dip, on arrival in previous editions. I don't expect that's going to change now. Hello, listeners. Um, this is just an ad placement. Okay, Panda. This is where I want the ad. Okay, I want it to say Frontline Gaming presents the Frontline Gaming Network Chapter Tactics, and then. Okay, and then I need you to get me the rights to Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Alright, doable. Okay, I love the enthusiasm. And then after that, I need you to put an advertisement right here. This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends you new cartridges, so you never have to think about ink. Save up to 50%. You'll pay less than $5 a month for ink and never run out again. Find out if your printer is eligible and enroll today at hpinstantink.com. Conditions apply. For details, visit hp.com slash Spotify. You know, I didn't really like it. Neither of them were very good. They weren't very professional. Yeah, needs improvement. Okay, Panda, this is what I need you to do. I need you to apply to both of those companies, join their advertising department, and then fix these ads. All right, let me just update my resume. Okay, while she's doing that, back to your regularly scheduled episode of Chapter Tactics. I guess that's fair. Yeah. yeah. That's um, very, very true. It, when we get a Chaos Space Marine Codex, that may change. I think Death Guard are going to continue to be good because they're going to continue to have very tough bodies that are resistant to multi-damage weapons. Yep. 
but I I don't think that vanilla CSM are super impressive by themselves right now. Uh, they have some good stuff. I love Noise Marines, but I just don't think they can follow through quite well enough. I agree. I think we I think they need like a new codex, just like everybody else. Because uh, to continue on Sean's point uh, about the poop bomb, like what we've seen is um, so far at least is power has been removed from stratagems and placed into da- data sheets. So we really need a codex to see like how these things really progress. Because if you know noise marines get a, a, an even better um, data sheet than they already have, um, plague marines, etc., then uh, then of course we're going to see these big improvements. But we have to wait and see. So. Yeah, and then finally, the the last forge world unit you sh- probably shouldn't sleep on. Um, that has potential to be an off meta gatekeeper. No, not gate spoiler. Spoiler is probably better. Um, are the Moirax Imperial Nightless mm, that are you're Moiraxes starting to see pop good. up? They're they're just armagers. Armagers and Moiraxes uh, kind of do fill the bill of that like semi efficient point unit with the invuln save. Um, it's fast. You can get objectives. It can kind of do kind of fulfill a bunch of different little roles, um, and on top of that, the Moirax itself puts out damage, um, but puts out shots all surrounded by uh, just a really a really well priced you know keeper of secrets esque you know gallant night gallant. They can just go into things and mess them up just like everything else. I would recommend if you're going to go the Forge World route with knights, get the Knight Magera, Magera. Magara, named after the Greek (laughs) with that rad with that rad flamer well not just the rad flamer it's the fact that it's stomps or damage three if you take the siege claw which I believe is the same point cost as not taking the siege claw so just take it Um, oh I didn't know that I didn't know they made it stomps damage three that's actually amazing yeah, yeah several of the Forge World Knights have that. We got a buff. So, okay. Well, that's so it's cool. it's decently costed for what it does. It has pretty good guns. And um damage flat damage three stomps um are it's really huge. good in this current yeah. meta. I believe I believe you take the lightning cannon on it. I believe that's why yeah. I took last Yeah, edition. the lightning cannon is fine, but it, you're you're in it for the stomps. Yeah. It is a bummer that it lost its four bin bomb, but you know, but it keeps a, a five up in, even in close combat. Oh, yeah. okay. And you can that's still rotate. Cool. And you can still rotate that. So that's the, really the, good. The knight I actually really like, especially for Chaos Knights, is the Castigator, the chain gun one. Mm-hmm. Um, it has those three damage stomps, which is cool. It's, it's big swings can do mortal wounds, which is always nice. And it has a single, I think, 16-shot minigun that you can buff up to damage three if you are an Infernal Knight. And 16 damage three shots is nothing to sneeze at. Oh, yeah, it's insane. They're wounding most things on threes, too. Most things that they want that you care about. Because you get a point of strength and a point of damage. And uh, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the Stompa, what with Val not being on the show, the custom (laughs) Stompa. Because that thing, um, if you can keep it out of close combat... It does a, it does a lot for for eight hundred and fifty points. Like it, it's shocking how much damage it can put out. Um, yeah, I played it. In, I played it in Deval. Three Sanguinary Guard did kill it in close combat. Um, even through the forty <laughs> wounds. But yeah. wait, like, three three the turn, models or three units? No, three models. 
Oh my! I did twenty damage the first round of combat um, when I yeah. heroically intervened into him, and then yeah, uh, yeah. But anyway, um, the 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 scary part was like the one turn he got to shoot it, where it just like he kept rolling dice and then mm-hmm. rolling mm-hmm. more dice because you make it evil sons and pop visions of the smoke on it and more Daka. And it's just like, okay, uh, this gun has three shots that are strength 14, six damage each, AP minus five. Uh, okay, I have six hits. And you're like, you, you had three shots. Yeah, I got six hits. And like, so yeah. it, it just keeps going. And um, taking one lift to drop on it and keeping the Gatling gun, take the big PP gun in the middle. It's it's absolutely absurd how much damage it puts out. The lift to drop ignores transhuman. Um, yep. It's devastating. It's a it's a it's a legit model. The problem is it doesn't have big stompy feet because uh, it looks like GW forgot. So in close combat, it does like one damage at strength ten with no AP. Oh no. Um. So <laughs> if you if you can lock it up and it has no invuln, you just have to find a way to get through forty wounds. Um, it's like a Halo <laughs> level. Like yeah. you got the giant scarab, and then Spartan Team Six goes in there and control Z's or whatever the command button is and just yeah. blows you up. It's pretty funny, but anyway, like it, I, I, Val would be really sad if we were talking about uh, off-meta Forge World stuff and didn't bring up the Stampa. That's anyway. fair. That's fair. Um, I think that's pretty much it for Forge World stuff. Um, <laughs> there, there is another list I want to talk about. Um, and that's a an Admech list. Uh, so this one is um, Damian Owen won this uh, Warzone Dark Times with he went five and zero with it. Um, and this is basically just thirty Catafront Breachers. Wait, twenty-seven. Excuse me, twenty-seven, thirty. It's it's like it's a lot. It's I think it's thirty. It's thirty Catafron breachers, a couple Cerberus raiders, and an archaeopter, two archaeopters. Yeah, the uh, yeah, and some electro priests. Um, so Admech are also going to benefit from from some Forge World stuff as well, because they're they're Forge World stuff, but also Forge World mm-hmm. anyways. I, I don't I don't get it, Pablo. Can you explain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a little off. This is this joke is a little off meta. Anyway, continue. yeah, I'm sorry. Ha ha ha. Anyways, uh, but yeah, I think Admech. I think Admech have a lot of potential there. Um, like we like we mentioned, they do play spoiler to a lot of horde lists. Um, so uh, Necron warriors fear them. Obviously, demonettes, pink horrors, all that stuff. Uh, they actually go into Harlequins really well, especially if they get first turn. Um. If they get second turn, or if, the, if there's a lot of terrain, bad. It's bad news, but that's kind of the way Harlequins work. So I mean, terrain no is, is always going to be like that Admech. Yes. The, oh, the yeah, pain in Admech, right? Everyone thought Admech was going to be S-tier. They had some point increases, so we were a little, maybe like maybe it won't be. Um, and what we've so far seen, at least with ninth, um, is that they're very, very good, but the more terrain you have, the less good they are, right? Yeah. So. I would also say they are one of the lists that suffers from needing either first or second turn, depending on the mm-hmm, matchup. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they are not good at playing flexibly in the turn order, uh, at least compared to some other armies that are you know in that like A tier S tier list. I agree. Uh, I think a lot of their strength is like. I should go first. And you can see with Damien here by taking the Breachers, but keeping the Mars instead of taking the um, the Data Node Forge World. Mm-hmm. Um, like, he he's definitely going for, I'm going to try and, and uh, kind of outvalue you and, and maybe the Breachers survive if I don't go first. Um, that's what I'm getting from this list here is, you know, use the Raiders to move block. And then if you get into me, the Breachers probably survive. Yeah, they're very tough. 
but um yeah it's it's a very interesting list um uh, like the the big thing here is like we've seen this kind of uh, archetype before but they always went with the custom uh trans node forge world uh like data horde forge world and he he went straight mars with this one like everything's mars um the fuselovs are are interesting um yeah i've seen usually you see the um the bombers instead but still the the uh the fuselov has some value just in terms of kind of like the weird stuff it can bring to things the the thing I'm actually the most surprised about is uh, just running the basic tech priests and not having uh, uh, call call in a Mars list, which mm-hmm. seems like like you're running Mars call is why you do it. But obviously he he doesn't think that those extra rerolls are really needed, uh, which maybe is the case. Like if you shoot so hard you kill anything you can see, anyways, why do you need more rerolls? Yeah, I agree. Uh, the other cool thing I like about Admic and why I wanted to bring them up is you they are a really good gunline army, but they're also a very flexible army. They've got enough units to be able to do different things. You can take priests and termite drills. You can take more vehicles if you want to go the more vehicle route. Obviously, breachers are amazing. Um, uh, and then they can, they can take other little tiny units that kind of you can kind of play around with. Uh, so they can play the mission really well if you need them to. Um, and they're, they're a very interesting list. And um, like Peter mentioned before the show, not a lot of people play Admech to begin with. It's not a very commonly played faction and hasn't yeah. been since it since it came out. Um, so you don't have guys like a TJ Lanigan or or um, a specialist who comes in there and just like does really well with with them and then and well, knows like what the I, list is. I, I think there are some very good players who play Admech. Um, we've like we've we've known a number like some some of the best players in the game have admech armies. Um, I think the distinction is there's not a lot of numerically there's not as many people at like sort of the mid and lower levels playing admech uh, because they are not a numerous army. But there are there are some people who are very good with them. Uh, it's just like when you walk into your your standard like. 25 or 30 man tournament you're not expecting to see three admech armies yeah you might see one and your best lists are very expensive because cerberus raiders are ridiculous yeah. for, their, for their points in yeah. terms of cost um so like there's only certain stalwarts right like rickard nelson in um in europe he he's been very successful with admech he hasn't won anything but he's had a couple undefeateds where he went like 4-0 and one um, and several four and ones. I believe he's something. I'd have to look again. Something like twenty-two, two and one in competitive play in ninth edition uh, at mm-hmm. GT level events. Um, so it's it's not like you can't win without with them, um, but it's hard. Like you, the hobby lag is real and has been real for them, and uh, their army completely changed from eighth to ninth uh, is another big thing because those raiders yeah. are, are so good. The bombers are good. Um, and breachers were only started becoming a real thing at the end of eighth. So if you didn't already own all those models, that's a lot of buying and painting. Yeah. What you didn't you didn't have forty five breachers just laying around. Weird. Yeah. All right. Now, Sean and Peter, are there any other uh, factions that maybe off meta factions you guys wanted to talk about before we move on to the final segment? I'm good. 
I think Any we already Eldar hit the, the one that I really like, which is that T.J. Lanigan uh, chaos list with Magnus. I've I've been enamored of that as of late. Okay, the, is there any um is there any Eldar lists, non Harlequin Eldar lists making the rounds? Oh, Sean? I wish. <laughs> the best you're getting is like Harlequins with six hundred points of Eldar to yeah. take like Hornets and stuff. Um, yeah. um, like we saw like James Kelling won an event with it. Um. But that's like you're not it's almost always like I took fourteen hundred points of Harlequins and then I dabbled with something else because I could um yeah. Harlequins are so good I could handicap myself. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and uh like because Drukari hasn't seen really any results since very early in ninth. Um Eldar just have literally never seen a result. I th- I thought we had like one or two like reasonable placing Drukari uh uh, Technomancer lists. Yeah, early on we did. Um, I thought we had some more recently too, but maybe I haven't I'm seen any in the GT of... level. I mean, uh, Gabe oh, Galalio be. in Australia, maybe it was New Zealand. He's yeah. had a couple of good results. Um, okay, but um, not a whole lot going on with with uh, with the, the the knife ears, as it were, other than yeah. Harlequins. So, yeah. Now that all can change, right? I think I think Eldar. And Dark Eldar, well, specifically Eldar, do have the potential to be really, really broken if they got a good codex. I mean, Drukari, um, sure. I'm really interested in what they That's look fair. like. In a yep. Yeah. Yep, yep. Yeah, so we'll see. We'll see where their codex goes. I didn't actually think, starting in you know in the summer when 9th edition got announced, I didn't think that these 9th edition codexes were going to make as big of a difference as they did, but they really are. Yep. So we're definitely going to see the kind of return to old codex power creep uh, that we had in seventh edition where, uh, you know, we're not getting codexes as frequently. It's not eighth edition where everyone got a codex in a year. Um, It's not going to be like that at all. The release schedule already was, you know, planned very, very slow uh, and kind of like the release schedules of old, Mm -hmm. um, but probably got delayed even more because of COVID and everything going on. So, um, you know, I think we're definitely going to be, given the meta piecemeal. So off meta lists um, are going to start to become viable and unviable as more codexes get added and dropped. So keep that in mind. If you're listening to this podcast and, you know, in the past or in the future. um, So if the lists we talk about are good now, they're like, Oh, well, Death Guard are are beating everyone. Like, Oh, well, we we did record this in the past. What? (laughs) What? Time has an impact on on the way people play this game. We're recording it in 2019. Shocked. I'm shocked. Anyways. All right. Let's go ahead and talk about this matchup now. So this is uh, between another uh, another kind of um, uh, off-meta kind of unique list in Gene Steeler Cult. Um, and, and of course, the, the uh, aforementioned, Chaos like, Demons. very meta Slanesh list. Yeah, so very meta Slanesh list. So why don't you tell us about the two lists, Peter? Um, well, I think we already we'll... waxed poetic enough. If people want to That's re- reverse the, thirty the minutes or whatever list. to to listen to us talk about Slanesh. Um but um, in terms of Gene Circles, so Clifton Russell, um, he's been playing Gene Circles for a while. Had some pretty decent results in Eighth Edition. Um, he brought a Cult of the Four Armed Emperor uh, battalion. He's got a Magus, a Patriarch, a Primus. He's running uh, twenty hybrids with um, hand flamers. And Max Rock Saws. And then he's got another uh, 20 uh, hybrid list with Max Hand Flamers. 
another 20 hybrid uh, unit with max hand flamers, and then a 20 hybrid unit with max rock saws and hand flamers, and then another 20 man unit of hand flamers, and then another unit, a uh, 20 man unit of hand flamers with rock saws. So that's three rock saw units and three hand flamer units. Um, 120 hand flamers, just a, a small amount. Uh, 24 rock saws, you know, rookie numbers, really. Uh, a Clamavis, a Locus. He's got, uh, and he's rounding it off with three armored sentinels of the cult variety mm. with multi-lasers. That's actually really good. So this list does something that um, really is, I think, kind of epitomizes this kind of off-meta, um, really skewed uh, scenario that is just going to take people off guard. Um, this would have come out just after the change to hand flamers, so they bumped to 12 inches. And so now it's you're not spending a bunch of CP to get these hybrids into position to hand flamer bomb somebody. You can literally just drop all 120 where you want um, with certain CP usage and really rock anything that's not sitting on like a two-up uh, armor save. So it's going to do a lot of work against a lot of armies. Yeah, and I've seen those hand flamers, you know, gang up on a knight and kill it in close combat, or not in close combat, in shooting. Um, you know, like the ATC last year, um, one of our, uh, one of my friends, Junior Flahey, played Nick Nanavati in his Gene Circle last year at the ATC, and the hand flamers just roasted his knight valiant. Um, <clears throat> so they have the capability to just kill anything. And I mean, heavy rock saws. They do work. Oh, and the heavy yeah. rock saws too. And yes. each of these units is maxing blasting charges too. So it's not like like they, mm. they can do a lot. They can toss out uh, the blasting charge uh, stratagem for some extra damage if they need to. Um, the heavy rock saws, of course, you know, they're, they are very efficient uh, for the amount of damage they put out. It's very much a paper army, but in a, in a world where a lot of people are fixated on dealing with elites, dealing with Harlequins, dealing with um, Space Marines of, you know, a million varieties, Custodes, Death Guard, etc. Um, you know, a lot of people don't have the output to kill this many guys that just have a five-up armor saver or four-up armor save. It's just, you know, it's a lot of wounds to eat through, um, which is was always the problem uh, that Gene Sturkult's kind of faced in 8th when they started going downhill, was that everybody had an answer to this. They could... They, the G-Star cults would kill what they hit, but then immediately everything would die right after, right? They were a paper bag. And now they might not, because your opponent may just not have enough shooting to deal with all this. Yeah, and a lot of the lists that do have some sort of effective tools against it, you are going to be able to ambush that one tool and kill it. Um, and if you can take out their one anti-horde unit, then that's that. Um, you know, you have dealt with the, the one thing that is able to handle you effectively, and then you can kind of just bully them for the rest of the game. Yeah, absolutely. Now, let's talk about this matchup uh, a little bit. So, Sean, if you're the Gene Sir Cult player, I, th I would guess that your first reaction looking at a, uh, this Slanesh list is like, oh boy, you know, I get to make maximum use of all my bodies. You... Yeah, it's hard to ask for a better matchup for the GSC player than this Slanesh army. Uh, because, like, yes, those keepers are going to be a problem for sure, but those daemonettes are practically blank. Um, every one of your acolyte units is going to pop out and 
kill a full unit of daemonettes, basically. And their daemonettes, which have absolutely no shooting, the whole list has no shooting, um, are really going to struggle charging into your flamer bombs. Uh, that is an extremely bad time for them. Yeah, I, I think... I think both of these players do pick the um, the secondary, the kill model secondary. Um, mm, you know, because I, I don't mean, it's like know an easy ten points do. for both of them, right? You need to kill so many models to make that worth it. It's like um, every ten models is one point or something. Yeah, yeah, which which means what you want is to kill a hundred fifty models. That's tabling your opponent. Um, even with lists like this, you are having to table them to get full points. And even just like your, your 10 point score, which, you know, a good score, that's a hundred models. That's a lot to ask for. Um, depending on the mission, it's not impossible that you take that, but I would definitely look very skeptically at it. I agree. I'd be more prone, uh, like the Gene Sturdicult list probably takes either Line Breaker or Engage on all fronts, um, because there's so many bodies, they can be where they need to be. Um, it just depends on how confident he is on how fast he can clear out the Daemonettes, and, and, and whether he thinks the Daemonette player is going to, like how the Daemonette player is going to play. Um, so one of those two, and then while we stand, we fight because it, with uh, with this list, it's just as like three characters, and uh, they have so many ways to protect them. With you know 120 lookoutsers, he can throw at them if he really needs to. Um, I don't know what his third would be. I think there's a lot of options there, but those would be my like first two picks: would be engage or line breaker, and while we stand. Um, third would be mission dependent. I'm not. I'm not. I don't know what I'd do there. And then Slanesh is probably engaged because you just got to hope that you countercharge before bad things happen and terrain is in your favor. Um, I don't know. Maybe assassinate because he's got a lot of characters. He's got yeah, like six or seven. Easy to kill characters. Yeah, that's assassinate would probably work. It's hard, uh, right? Because assassinate, you're also dealing with all these these lookoutsers. So it's like, um, yeah, yeah. you can also keep them. You can also keep them away too in reserve and stuff. Yeah, it might be a poor choice, but it might be like the only thing he thinks he could take. And then, I mean, while we stand, we fight and just hope that um, you can protect your keepers long enough. And uh, Celesque. Yeah. Now I will say that the I I would give I would look into this list and I, I would normally think Gene Circle definitely have an advantage here. But I will say that Slanesh, the Slanesh player, has some advantages that kind of make it kind of cool and unique. So you've got the Furies first off. First mm -hmm. off, um, so they've got slightly better objective control because if you think about those hundred and twenty obsec bodies canceling each other out, going into each other, um, those Furies might be able to raise banners, might be able to sneak and steal an objective or two, maybe tie up a character, um, you know, just do little random things that the Genius Circle player can't quite do. Because um, he doesn't have action monkeys um, other than characters, um, and I guess sentinels. So, but those, those sentinels are really cool too. Um, I don't the think... sentinels will be nice for holding the backfield for sure. Yeah, and keeping three sentinels, uh, you know, like standing shoulder to shoulder, depending on how the terrain works, is a great way to keep demonettes just away from a flank. They're they're yeah. just gonna chill there. There's 35 points. You know, you're spending 100 points to keep demonettes away, um, creating a wall for them to run into, but the bigger thing, the bigger advantage I see with Slanesh is don't Slanesh have the ability to fight first? So that is really bad for the Gene Circle player. 
So you, re- you that means if you want to kill one of those Keeper of Secrets, w- you have to charge two Rock Cutter Acolyte squads into it. Mm. No, you right? can't charge first... two. You charge two, you'll just lose one of them. Yeah, you, well, you, but you you have to lose one of them, and then the and then you have to you have to uh, kill them with the second one because you're going to lose. No, you can't charge you, it into them, right? It's your turn. You get to pick the it. first unit to fight. Yeah, so you would, uh, okay, you, so you would still, still go. Okay, you, cool. you don't want. You won't want one. You want yeah, one or you, three. The like, that's the really advantage one. for one the Slanesh player is the Gene Stealer player can never charge two units in the same turn uh, because the second one will just die before it gets to do anything. Yes. Uh, so there's definitely the the fights first is definitely not worthless. It means you win every ongoing combat. Um, but I wonder how many of those there are actually going to be. Like, how often are things going to actually survive getting charged by a blob of the uh, uh, the acolytes or the daemonats? Like, if that actually happens. The other unit's probably just dead. Yep, whatever fights first is probably doing the killing. This really feels like a game of um, um, who goes first um, to me, and I th- and I feel like it really does lean on uh, the Gene Stealer cults having the advantage um, mm. because they can they have an easier time dictating the matchup. The thing about Slanesh going first is if the Gene Silicon player doesn't deploy very well or put something on the line, then, you know, you do have that chance to uh, to get in, get off a charge, survive the hand flamers if you, um, you know, use your minus one to wound um, uh, a keeper so that, you know, mm-hmm. and hope for the best. That's a that's a possibility. Um, even no, you wouldn't even need the minus one to wound, like. But that's yeah, what you're really looking at is like you have to be able to dictate the combats, and make the trades not worth it for the the gene stealer cult player by like tossing away these demonettes, um, so that the rest of your stuff can do their damage. Uh, right, so let's do. Let's... It's it's rough. It's it's gonna be it'd be a rough matchup, and this is why I like it. It's because this is a list that you wouldn't expect to see in round five playing like a top tier meta list like Slanesh to go yeah. up and be like, oh look, there's a hundred of these things I have to deal with now. Um, it's kind of one of the reasons why you know orcs have mysteriously quote unquote done well mm-hmm. is because you know um, people aren't building a list to to look at 150 boys. They're they're building a list to deal with. 20 primary space marines so yeah in in defense of the slanesh list and to you know be devil's advocate to my own earlier statements those keeper of secrets much like a lot of the other stuff will just like wipe a whole unit by themselves yes uh and they, they need to be dealt with and if there is heavy terrain that weirdly actually does hurt the gene stealer cult player a lot um because while they may be able to drop a bomb in and like kill a bunch of daemonettes um if you can just charge some fiends through a wall and tie that unit down mm-hmm, mm-hmm. then suddenly the equation starts looking a lot better for the slanesh player yeah absolutely now let's talk predictions um and then we'll go on to the tail end of the episode so sean who do you think wins this game, and what do you think the score is? I think it's got to be the Gene Steeler cult player most of the time, unless the mission or terrain or something else heavily favors the Slanesh player. Um, the Gene Steeler cult just has better tools. Um, your your rock saws kill those seekers. Your flamers kill the daemonets. Um, 
you have access to better reserve tools than the Slanesh player does. Um, it, it, it's a big advantage for the GSC player. It's not unwinnable, but the Slanesh player is going to spend the whole game trying to claw their way out of a hole. Um, I would I would put it as a win on the GSC player by a pretty decent margin. I think this is going to be maybe like Slanesh guy's lowest scoring game of the tournament, and I would guess probably his lowest scoring game since ninth started. Yeah, just about. <laughs> um. So so yeah. So I actually um. Uh, I actually think that no matter who wins this game, it's probably going to be a blowout considering both of these like style lists. Mm, yeah. um, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see either player playing KG for very long just because the gene circle player has to get within 12 and the, the Slanesh player has to charge him. So it's, it's, you're going to break. You're not going to be able to play KG because if you play KG, you just get this game where neither player charges each other for six turns um, and, or gets within yeah, 15 of each other. The gene stealer cult wins that one easy. Yes, um, because of the flamer specifically. So I, I think I think the Gene Circle player does win too, just because the Slanesh player has initiative. They have to get within that twelve inches. They have to charge. The the Gene Circle player has those reserves, has the manipulation there. Um, although I would not be surprised at all if the Slanesh player won, um, just because those Keeper of Secrets can absolutely just put a hurting on that whole Gene Circle army. Um, if you if you lose those Rockstar units early, which can happen. Yeah, it's possible, but all things equal, I definitely put my money on the Gene Stealer Colt. So I, I'm I'm in agreement. I'm putting money on the Gene Stealer Colt player too, but I think it's like a blowout. It's going to be like like eighty forty. I feel like it's not quite that bad because it's so hard for Slanesh to not score. Um, I I feel like this is going to be their their bad scoring game. It's maybe like eighty sixty for the Gene Stealer Colt and. You know, the the Slanesh Flayer feels terrible scoring only 60 points, but, uh, you know. <laughs> All right, Peter, what happened? Um, it, it was a blowout. It was 93 to 45 for the wow. Gene Circle oh, player. Wow. Gene yeah. Circle went first and immediately began applying pressure and never stopped. It was... Um, like uh, 15 point turn one, uh, turn two for secondary, 10 for turn three, um, a five point turn four. There, so it looked like there was possibility a point there where he just kind of broke off all objectives to go on a murder mode. Um, and then another 15 in turn five. Um, so, you know, 45 to 20 in terms of primary score. Um, when we look at secondaries, which I hadn't actually checked my, uh, before we started talking, um, let's see, did they include them? Yeah, so Gene Steelers took line breaker, like I thought, scored eight points. Uh, Slanish took engage, took seven. Slanish did take assassinate, only scored three, so we were kind of right there. That yeah, was probably a mistake. Yeah. Um, while we stand, we fight 15 for the uh, Gene Steeler cult player. Um, uh, Slanish also took while we stand, we fight, only scored five, so um, only one of their keepers or Celeste survived. And then the final choice for Gene Stiller Cult was uh, Vital Ground, which he maxed. Oh, the mission objective. The yeah. mission objective, yeah. So, um, Yeah, Vital Ground is a relatively easy one to max out, so I'm not surprised about that at all. So yeah, so like it's it's kind of what you guys talked about, um, and myself to a degree. It was a little bit cheating because I mean I've, I I track all this stuff, so I knew who won. Yeah, um, but but um, in terms of like how they played it out, um, 
the I do think if Slanesh went first, this is a closer game, and it's probably more like what Sean said, like an 80-60, um, because Slanesh probably can keep 10 or 15 points turn one. Um, mm. But Gene Sturkult's getting first turn, having such a like strong matchup in Slanesh with this particular list, if they go first, it's it's just it's it's very very hard. Yeah, I agree. All right, thank you so much, Peter, for picking that matchup. Um, I I thought they were very interesting lists, and if you're a Gene Sericult player in particular, that's that's a good Gene Sericult. That's a good way to start playing Ninth Edition, or a good way to start looking at how to approach Ninth Edition from a Gene Sericult perspective. Take a hundred and twenty of the only model that's good in your list. <laughs> there you go. That works. It has obsec. Yeah. Take 120 of it. You're good. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on to the patron questions. Now, at the end of every episode, we like to open the floor to the patrons where they get to ask us questions that we answer live on air. And also, we also stream now. We stream every episode of Chapter Tactics, and the patrons are sitting in the chat right now. So, patrons, if you want to start asking your questions in chat, uh, we're going to start answering the patron questions that you posted earlier today. Uh, and then we'll get to some of those chat questions. So the first question comes from patron Kelsey. Um, he wants to say, uh, how much of an advantage do you think you gain from playing an off-meta army uh, p- because people don't know how to play them, you know, et cetera, et cetera? Um, I, I would say... It, oh, go ahead. Sorry, Sean. I was going to say, I think it can be an advantage, but it's one of those advantages that tapers off the better your opponent mm-hmm. is. Uh, because good players may not have played your list, but they still understand how your list works. Um, and y- you will still have some advantage, but is that advantage, how much of that are you giving up by playing something that is not top in just sheer power level? Um, so it, I personally am not a fan of it, but I also just like to see the biggest possible number. So maybe that's just me. So. I have an anecdote, actually, a long from a long time ago, from 7th edition, early 7th edition, when Matt Root won the ITC championship. He played his Admech, his mm-hmm. Orc Admech, uh, and I have a really funny anecdote that he um, that I heard secondhand uh, from when he played Nick Donavati at the Nova Open, or Nova Invitational, one of those. Um, and essentially, to this point, now Nick Nick's always been a phenomenal player, he's always done really well, but back then... He his real his real claim to fame was when consistently doing well and winning the Nova Invitational Nova Open. That was just Nick just absolutely did that. To that point, he hadn't won the LVO yet. He hadn't even made the top eight at the LVO yet. Um, he's you know he's still a really good player, but um, he also played uh, Chaos Demons back then too. So you know he, he was a different player back then. And uh, Matt Root came around, and this was when Admic had just came onto the scene, right? So we'd just gotten the War Convocation. Um, the Admiral just came on as an army, and I love this because it, it, it's such a funny anecdote because it's very Nick Nanabadi, and it's also it it kind of just shows like the trap you can fall into when you're when you're um, going into a competitive event. But basically, Matt was explaining to Nick what his army did, right? And Nick said. I, oh, I blanked out at T3 bodies with a 4-up save because that's what Admech were. So, and there were so many, if you remember War Convocation, there were so many rules that came with the army, especially yeah. in 7th edition. You know, they all had free weapon options. They, you know, you had a lot of random shit. They were a new army. And they it really helped looking. that Matt 
brought a book with all his conversions <laughs> that you had to read if you wanted yes. to be able to play against him. He had a picture book. Um, and so I remember Nick um, or someone telling me that Nick said like, oh, I, I blanked out and stopped listening at T3 for up armor save bodies. Um, and then he lost uh, because quite frankly, he didn't quite know what the army did. Now, th- this is a... I, I don't think Nick will ever make that mistake again for any army in the future, especially <laughs> now because of how how information had travels even between now and seventh edition we have so many more people looking at warhammer 40k but you can fall into that trap i have definitely done it before um i've seen like terminators and been like ah you move six inches i get it you're kind of hard to kill i'm gonna save you to the end and then just gotten steamrolled by a smaller board and really not being able to kill terminators right so it's like it, it is a pitfall you can fall into so but i agree with john in, gen- in general the best players, especially right now, you're not going to be able to pull the wool over their eyes. You might be able to get them with like a really, really obscure unit and a really obscure stratagem. Maybe. Yeah. But... I mean, the way I would say it is it's going to come down to what are you taking this to? And like, what's the meta like where you're taking it to, right? You, I don't think a janky um, off meta crazy list is going to win the LVO. So if that's your goal, like I would say no. Um, but if you're like, man, I, I know that I play into a bunch of Slanesh demons at home, um, and I'm going to a GT, it's mostly going to be locals. Maybe I should pop out my gene stealer cults. Like that's legit. Like play into what, like what you know you're going into. Uh, that's, that's how you're going to win some of those events. Like if you know that the majority of the guys are going to play a specific thing. Right. So, yep. Um, I, I agree with there that. is something to it, but it's. Um, don't expect that at like such a, a grand like level event like a Nova or something like that. If if a list is so good it can win Nova, it's not off meta. It's just meta. Exactly. <laughs> Bam. Yeah. Yeah. Boom. But but yeah, abs- absolutely. Um, okay, and we are back. I have no idea what happened there whatsoever. Basically, the internet shut down, and then my computer froze. It was really weird. It was like an electrical surge from the warp hit us. Uh, but unfortunately, we lost Sean and Peter. Whatever it was, flew all the way to the west coast to hit Sean and all the way up north to hit Peter. And I believe it was an Adam Camilleri virus or some sort of thing going on. Uh, so it's just me. Don't worry. We're not going to stay on for very long. Uh, I'm just going to finish. I'm just going to finish um, one. the last Patreon question. Then we're just going to go and end the show there, too. So, uh, Patron Dan wants to know, what do you think the barrier to entry is on those high-performing but often less-used armies? Is it really just a good player at the helm instead of the army? Um, So, I think the barrier to entry on those is actually really high. Just because getting into Warmer 40k already is really expensive. You you have an army like Admech, for instance, or a new army like Gene Circle, Harlequins. Harlequins are one of those high-barrier-to-entry armies that in the past took a lot of skill to use because they were very fragile and you didn't have a you didn't have a lot of options to choose from you 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 had to very much you had to know how to pilot the list and then that list was was a very complicated hard list to run right so and there wasn't a lot of flexibility um space marines obviously a very easy barrier entry etc etc um so i do think it gets easier if if uh, there is only one unit, like for instance, the Acolyte Hybrids list we talked about earlier, um, if it's just one unit, the barrier entry isn't as bad and it's 
easier to learn just because you know, you, you're simplifying things going on. But um, it gets really, really complicated when you start throwing in factions that, that just rely on a ton of stratagems and have different uh, factions and tactics and stuff or faction tactics inside their own armies. So think like the Harlequins and Eldar army lists that you see do really well right now currently. Those have a very high barrier to entry and are hard to play. And then finally, last patron from t- patron Dan Moose. Uh, when should you go with an off medalist? Do you tech to beat the top armies and play around your weakness or break a take all comers list? I think for every 40k game or for every game, this is a different choice. But for warmer 40k, it's definitely when Space Marines are doing really well. That's the best time to take off medalists. Or not just when Space Marines are doing really well, but when you start seeing like a third of the field uh, as as running like the same 900 points of units, right? So if you have a really good counter to Blade Guard veterans, for instance, like Necrons, Necrons have a really good counter in Blade to Blade Guard veterans and other similar kind of style of, of Marine units in the the Nightbringer Satan or the or the any of the Satan with the ability to ignore invuln saves, right? With the stratagem. So Nightbringer, the Nightbringer is probably the best choice. But if you have something like that, that can just deal with a very specific unit in a very common army that unit that you see all the time you should probably take it um, i think it should also be less about the faction lists and what units people are bringing so for instance at the tail end of seventh edition when the knight castellan was doing really well you wanted things that could take out the top three most played units in that edition in this case it was the knight castellan obviously that was number one company commanders uh and then the company veterans you know t3 bodies T35 up save body. So if you had a way to kill those efficiently, uh, and then that way to kill those efficiently um, didn't die to the Knight Castellan, which was the most common thing, that's what you ran. Now, unfortunately, in that edition, the most common, you know, thing or the best counter to Knight Castellans was other Knight Castellans. So the list kind of, you know, countered itself. So that that was a little unfortunate, but if you have something like that right now in eighth edition or ninth edition, you have something that uh, kills blade guard veterans really well, or if you have something that kills necron warriors really swell, uh, removing invuln saves things like that uh, for off medalists, those work all really well. So that's it for the today's episode. Thank you so much, Sean and Peter, for coming on. Uh, unfortunately, they can't be here, but we'll kaka and this guy uh, them away. Uh, that's probably how they would have liked to end the podcast anyways and as always you're the best listeners in the world remember to stay tuned this christmas for that special chapter tactics christmas episode the triple x happiness giveaway and on top of that if you sign up for patreon at patreon.com slash chapter tactics you get a chance to win an airplane ticket or 500 dollars paint studio gift certificate or uh, terrain set plus table of your choice with a mat something something amazing something i want to give back to all of the patrons who've been supporting us throughout the whole year so head on over to patreon.com slash chapter tactics and get that gear as always you're the best listeners in the world and have a good one Bye bye